As with every episode of Storytellers, this episode may contain themes, storylines, or ideas that may not be safe for work. Headphones recommended, and listener discretion is greatly advised. Storytellers, the show that proves that anyone can tell a story. I'm Derek, um, and as always, I am joined by a group of luminaries, and I am so excited about this episode. Storytellers is a show where I gather between three and four uh, storytellers to join me to create a story based on uh, three cards that I pull out of a box. I'm always scared to explain too much of how I do this shit because there's already another storytellers in Scotland. Like they came on my show and they were so happy about it that they started a spinoff episode. And I was like, this is not law and order, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> not just get to jump off. And I love them so much. Um, I actually had their episode on my show. So shout out to Scottish Murders. If y'all have not checked out Don and Cole, you need to. They are amazing people. But when they popped up and was like, we did an episode, I was like, I told y'all too much. Like, I literally <laughs> explained my secret. It's it's like on Law and & Order. And, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about Law & Order so much because I have the host <laughs> of Munch My Benson on on. <laughs> with me today but it's like that part where for no fucking reason in these crime shows somebody just admits everything to the cops oh yeah yeah they just sit <laughs> talking calmly to them then all of a sudden out of nowhere and i would have fucking got away with the murder if it wasn't for the fact that it was 12 a.m like, don't talk fuck? to cops mm-hmm. right like in the world of law and order there's a rule you don't talk to the fucking cops um <laughs> but today i am joined by like i said Four amazing podcasters. Five, really. Ooh. Um, I am joined by Melissa and Robert from the Haunted Tales podcast. Hi. Hi. I am joined by Josh and Adam from the Munch My Benson podcast. Hey, what's up? And Paige, who is feeling under the weather today, uh, from the Reverie True Crime podcast, also joined us for this story. Let me tell y'all how this works. So, like I said, I pull three cards out of a box, and I give those three cards to the first storyteller. The storytellers are chosen randomly um, by their first name. It's just numerical randomness. And I give the first person the cards and tell them to have five to seven minutes to tell their story. Go, And they start the story, but they cannot bring it to a climax or end the story. And then they send their segment to me, and I send it off to the next person. The next person continues the story. They also cannot bring it to an end or to a climax. Um, we call this creative edging. Um, they then <laughs> send their segment to me, and I send it off to the third person who will bring it to a climax, but they can't end it. Um, and then they send their segment to me, and the last person is able to finish the story. So the last person 
finishes the story without ever hearing how it began. And the first person begins the story without ever hearing how it ends. It's a combination of the age-old game of storytellers or the age-old art of storytelling in the age-old game of telephone. God, I fucked that up. Hold on one second. <laughs> That's all I know where to edit at. <laughs> it is combining the age-old art of storytelling with the game of telephone, and it always turns out incredible. The stories are always wonderful. Today's episode was based on three cards. Blind person, something is inside the wall, and lucky underwear. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Melissa, Robert, now that you know what the cards were, how <laughs> aspects made it to the end of the story, would you say? Uh, one. Two, 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 maybe. The, the lucky underwear? Yeah, lucky That's underwear, pretty much definitely. <laughs> Blind person, two. But I thought about something with gold, maybe, or monsters. Because it seemed like that. I don't know. <laughs> Josh, I know that you were uh, second in the story. So when you heard it, it was still very, very fresh. The best part yeah. of this show is finding out where the fuck things fell off at. Like, sure. the first person is unimpeachable. But mm -hmm. it always turns out where somebody will just hear a segment and then take their part and not think that something is important. For example, a while back, I did an episode with three storytellers, and I had a, a three cards where it was four sixth graders who were bank robbers. <laughs> and it was going to be fucking incredible. I was the first person telling the story, so I knew it was going to be fucking incredible. The second person took my part and had it where two of them were brothers. The other one wasn't. So they had it where the one who wasn't a brother was walking home by himself, talking about his sister and how he was going to do this to save his sister. Never mentioned the other two. Never mentioned the bank robber. And so it went from a bank robbery to a League of Legends tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, how did this happen? But it plays out every single time in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um but I have kept y'all on pins and needles long enough. With no further ado, here's part one of this story. Um, here is Paige's segment of the tale. In the early 1970s, a blind man named Lucas lived in Oatman, Arizona, in an old dilapidated shack. Oatman is one of the smallest towns in America. At that time, there were only a handful of residents— Though word spread about its gold mines and would attract gold miners from all over the world. Lucas swore his one pair of silk underwear was his lucky pair. Any time he wore them, he would strike more gold than he ever would otherwise. Lucas had drank a bit too much whiskey one evening at the one little bar in town and divulged just a tiny bit. He whispered to a friend about his lucky underwear and how much gold he accumulated while wearing them. Lucas's friend asked him, Man, where in the world do you put so much gold? You got any plans? That's surely a lot of damn money. You could get out of that old shack and live a better life, Lucas. He responded, Well, old buddy, I can't tell anyone any of those things, but one day you'll know the answers. For now, it's a secret. 
Lucas pulled down his big black glasses, revealing his blind, cloudy eyes, gave a wink to his friend as he chuckled, picked up his cane, and headed home. Lucas didn't have any locks on the doors of the old shack he lived in, and it was never a problem since the town was so small. They never had any crime. It wasn't anything Lucas ever worried about. The worst thing to break into homes were pesky animals. One summer afternoon, Lucas went down to a little creek where he always washed his lucky silk underwear. He heard something walking in the woods. Hey, somebody there? There was no response. He figured it was probably just a deer or some other animal. Lucas made the trek back home, ate supper and a rocking chair on his rickety old porch where he also had his clothesline, waiting on his lucky skivvies to dry. It didn't take long in the Arizona heat. He snatched his underwear off the line, picked up his cane, and moseyed on inside. Lucas was ready to hit the hay. As he always did, he slid his lucky underwear under his bed. However, Lucas didn't get much sleep that night. There was a god-awful racket that went on for hours. There was something making a lot of noise in the walls. This wasn't too uncommon when rodents would come into the shack, which was falling apart as it was. But this night, the sound in the walls was different. Okay, so I want to say for the record, for the record, since this, you know, I have people from Law & Order on the show, for the record, (laughs) I've done a lot of different episodes, and I do a lot of episodes with a lot of different podcasts from a lot of different walks of life, and Paige has the voice of a true crime podcaster. Like, oh my God, every time I listen to her, I thought somebody was going to get murdered. In that, <laughs> listen, I thought she was going to bring it to the climax immediately. Like, Lucas got stabbed that evening. No suspects were ever found. Like, it just feels she brought an atmosphere that was just so, oh, my God. But I am not here to uh, give kudos on my own. Melissa and Robert, being the child are the last two, and y'all only heard how the story ended. What do you think about how the story began? This is kind of kind of different than I had imagined. <laughs> a little bit, just slightly. Just, just. <laughs> uh, <I> <laughs> Where did the monsters come from? Yeah, where did the monsters come from? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It'll all make sense. I I know where now we know where the silk underwear fetish might have come from, but (laughs) (laughs) you didn't get to hear the first part of the story either. The first, the very first uh, segment. What did you think of that? Well, you know, honestly, uh, it's not too it's not too crazy to me that that's where it started given like the little details that were sprinkled into Josh's story, but um, it, it definitely like adds some color to, uh, to what I could have been working with, but, <laughs> but didn't get a chance to, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It sounded great. Oh, this is the best. And Josh, you 
actually the 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 order of this episode was Paige went first and then Josh uh and then Adam and then Melissa and Robert ended the story off. So Josh, you went second. So yeah. what did you think the first time you heard this segment? Um it's one of those things where I had to it's weird being second because you really, really just have to keep setting up and there's like, that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, okay, well this, this little corner of the world has been, has it started to been built. And then it's like, okay, I just get to build it farther and that's it. Build mm -hmm. it further. So it, it's, it's weird. It's weird being the second, I think. Sometimes being the second person is where the party is at, though. Like if the first part doesn't have like this part, it built the world mm -hmm. sufficiently. But if you're and you will be on the show again, I'm. this is not, you know, this is a sure. definite. But you'll have times where that first part doesn't flesh it out enough. Yeah. Um, and then you get to build it in the second part, like I said, into something. The second part is where all the everybody else on the episode that I did before fucking died. That's where they all just disappeared. Um, yeah. And the second part is where the ladies from the crime diner took a mild mannered ice cream dr truck driver and turned him into fucking sweet tooth from uh, the Twisted Metal series. So just a mass murderer. So that second part, even though it in the in the frame of it, it doesn't bring anything to a climax. It doesn't bring anything to an end, but yeah. it gets to actually you are the expediter in a restaurant. Like you're the mm -hmm. one who puts the garnishes onto the food. Sure. You're the one who puts the seasonings and the the, the 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 everything else onto the food before you slide it out to the server, who will then take it out to the 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 customers. So. I'm still excited about what you did. I, I know what you fucking did. I, I know what you did. So um, Paige said when she saw the word, something is inside the wall and blind person, she knew she wanted to start it off mysteriously. She had no idea why a shack-like house came to mind, but that triggered a random thought. A little house in the middle of one of the smallest towns of America would be an interesting starting point. So, and this was the question I had, she looked up the smallest towns in America and found the one in Arizona. And it's really known for gold mining. So she ripped from there about the lucky underwear being coveted to him because he found so much gold wearing them and how it's likely scarier for someone who's blind to hear things in the dilapidated walls of their little shack in the middle of nowhere. And it went from there. There wasn't much method to her madness. She thinks her imagination just took over. And I think that this is perfect. Like the setup, once you know that, Mm -hmm. I I immediately think back to the gold rush days. Like if somebody had just found like five pounds of gold, I don't know how much was money back then. It was like the 1800s. I don't fucking know. But if one person had found some gold and they turned to the next person and said, my lucky underwear, I'm wearing my lucky underwear and I found five pounds of gold yesterday too, that motherfucker is going to get murdered. If I write a mm -hmm. book, they're getting killed like the next yeah. day and I'm wearing their lucky underwear like mm -hmm. the very next day. So this was That's how it would have happened in sisters brothers, <laughs> which is about the, yeah, yeah the, the, absolutely. What would have happened? They would have gotten marked. Yeah. So knowing that and knowing how that's written, that, that plays out spectacularly like kudos to page for coming up with that segment. 
With no further ado, let's get to part two. Here's Josh's part of the story. As the hours passed and the racket kept him awake, a combination of nerves, exhaustion, and impatience began to get the better of Lucas. Finally, at what he could only surmise to be around 4 a.m., as the denizens of the desert had yet to begin trumpeting the day's arrival, he opted for action in determining what could possibly be incurring upon his sanctuary and reached for the lucky silk drawers beneath his bed, only to be shocked to find that they were not where he'd carefully laid them hours earlier. Janine, he whispered into the night, calling out to his missing silk boxers by the name he only uttered when he was sure they were alone. Janine did not answer back. Janine, he howled into the night. The commotion coming from his wall ceased, his primal scream scaring whatever it was away. Naked as a jaybird, he sprung out of bed and took to all fours, scouring each inch of his ramshackle abode for the underwear responsible for the cache of gold he was still certain had gone untouched. Ten minutes of feeling around for wherever Janine might be, fingertips pouring over each inch of the shack thrice over, failed to turn up a different result than that fateful first feel under the bed. Maybe they're still on the line, he thought, deluding himself for a moment. Lucas rose carefully to his feet, his old balls swinging like a long, fleshy pendulum cradling twin robin's eggs, and he grabbed his cane, more for its striking potential than out of need for its primary function in this shitbox he knew all too well. He shuffled out to the last planks on his porch and reached out to the clothesline, tugging it around but failing to turn up Janine there either. As his world crashed in around him, he felt for and found his rickety rocking chair. He gathered his balls in his right hand for safe sitting and sank into his seat, dejected. Without consciously choosing to do so, he began gently rocking, the creak of his chair giving rhythmic voice to the panic swelling inside him. His nervous energy ran the rocking and resultant creaking to a fever pitch before he grew aware of the sound. You're spinning out, Lucas, he told himself. You made it out of Angola. You can make it through whatever this is. He steeled himself and, as he had taken to doing when he was first thrown in the hole, he slowed his breathing. With that, the rocking and creaking faded out. Silence firmly took hold at last. Did I give it away? He wondered to himself, trying to think back to what he might have told J-Bone in Oatman after slamming a pint of beam. Best as he could recall, there wasn't anything he could have said that should have led to an incursion. And J-Bone might be a right royal prick, but he wouldn't steal from a blind man. He tried to recall who else might have been around. There were a couple Route 66 dicks passing through, but they sounded like they couldn't have been any older than 25, and kept talking about Todd Stiles and Buzz Murdoch, even pretending to be Martin Milner and George Maharis at one point. Other than that, he couldn't remember anyone else at the Oatman Hotel bar, and these two yahoos didn't fit the bill. Assuaged of any concern that he'd brought this on himself, asking for someone to come to his shack in search of his gold, he started to sit back, only to have his scrotum start to tug away harshly. He leaned forward, mustered his balls into his hand, and leaned back, taking in a deep breath. First, only stillness surrounded him, but as his ears acclimated to the deafening roar of silence, they began to reach out into the darkness around him, searching for any clues or answers. The shallow breathing of something gave away its location no more than twenty yards away over his right shoulder. Well, shit, Lucas muttered, selling resignation to the pair of lungs quietly announcing their presence behind him. 
He gathered his sagging scrotum one more time as he rose nude from his rocker, grabbed his cane, and headed back into his shack. Just inside the door, he grabbed his plugless Browning A5 from the wall, spun back around, and re-emerged from the shack, wasting no time and firing precisely where he'd heard the breathing just moments before. He took five more steps off the porch and toward the sound, and fired a second shell of 20-gauge shot into the cops of pinions. As the report bounced off the walls of the surrounding Black Mountains, he stopped, waiting for silence to blanket his corner of the world again before committing any of his last three shells to the interloper on his claim. His ears probed into the night around him, searching for any audible signs of life. From the very same brush into which he'd fired came faint, labored breathing. He deliberately strode forward, feeling the ground upon which he trod with his bare feet for signs of anything amiss while keeping as quiet as possible so as to allow his ears the silence they needed to keep abreast of everything going on around him. The labored breathing he'd detected was suddenly coupled with a dragging sound in the dirt. He stopped, listening intently, guns still trained on the spot from whence he heard the faint noise emanating. Accompanying the sound of something dragging itself through the dirt and its labored breathing was a wheezy whimper. Lucas dragged his pursuit to a crawl, Caution taking over as he instinctively made the transition from blind hunter to blind stalker. Stepping ever closer, fingers still on the trigger, his naked legs scratched through the pinion branches and his left foot landed in a patch of damp soil. Oro? A voice gasped with a trace of resignation. The fucking gall of this query made him nearly laugh aloud. Chingatumadre, Payaso. He put his right foot forward, and with the step closer, he noticed a strange scent that belied something different. Something. Other. Are you to me? Josh? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've sat on my calls before. Um, <laughs> I, I just felt like that was a conversation that we should have. I'm getting old <laughs> enough that I've literally sat on my balls before and I cried. Like, that's the most pain I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> so when you kept talking about him cupping his balls, I didn't even laugh. I understood. Like, when <laughs> I said Dude, 70. Was, right? <laughs> right? Like, it is so easy to do to sit on your balls, Melissa. You don't understand the pain that just wrecks me. I kept thinking, I'm like, with Paige not being here, I'm like the only one that doesn't quite get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, sitting on your balls is like kicking yourself in your balls while jumping off the fence and landing on your balls. <laughs> like, it is vomit-inducing. And when you brought that into the story, I was like, this is the new world. This is <laughs> this is the new goal. This is the new this is the new end zone. This is the new this is this is everything for me right now. Me and my balls applaud you, sir. <laughs> with that said, you think we can with that segment. So my whole goal was to try to carry over everything because I sort I didn't want at least through my section of the story, I didn't want to leave anything completely hanging from the first section, you know, because mm -hmm. I feel like I, I had to get it over the halfway point. Mm -hmm. So like, and I, I felt like even if I had drawn the, what's happening in the wall to a conclusion, at least that like happened naturally. So as long as I didn't leave anything hanging, it was okay. Aside from his balls. Um, <laughs> and, and so 
the the one I had one thing that I really wanted to fit in there and I couldn't fucking figure out a way to get it in, but I wanted him to be stashing the gold in his ass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I wanted there to be a reason that he had to like shit a gold nugget into his hand or like drop one into his hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just couldn't fucking figure out a way to make it happen. Cause because oh. like I knew that I couldn't I knew that I basically had to just with the way that it, the way that I figured it, it had to be paced, uh, just like you know, sort of intuitively, I figured that I had to like just the the scratching in the wall had to be completed, and I had to get that to to like a natural like cliffhanger point mm-hmm. for the next story to pick up. So that that's kind of where I, I I was like, well, I can't, I don't, I couldn't figure out a way to have him have to have to give up some of his gold if you will <laughs> from his ass <laughs> <So>. <laughs> melissa robert now that you've heard part two is the story starting to get more to where it was when it got to y'all yeah a little bit but uh, i'm still not totally sure uh, where certain elements will come in <laughs> <laughs> because i don't know again i, I have no idea how or why we got where we no no went. not at all <laughs> excellent <laughs> that I makes will me say, feel good <laughs> i will say that i feel like it's almost cheating because i know adam so well that i knew that i could like p- continue things on from what page had done while like leaving him clues that didn't have to be just like I was explicitly saying this thing yeah. where like I'm I'm able to build the world out a little bit still. Mm-hmm. And I, I was able to like hand off stuff that I knew Adam would pick up mm-hmm. or or would at least like know what I was talking about. So like yeah. I I don't know. I, I think that's a weird it's it's almost like a cheat code. Well because I knew who I was handing it off to pretty well. Well, whenever I do the first episode with sure people who you know have duos or, or trios in the podcast i strive to have them all together because sure. it, it's that familiarity builds to a better story like right. it's almost like gary payton throwing sean kemp and now Liu, uh mm-hmm. for the for the seattle super Suns. like he could throw the yeah. ball over his head and yeah. he knew sean Rain would be Man's right coming. there for to yeah. exactly so no, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. Like, there's certain oh, yeah. things that you wouldn't have been able to say or right. do in that part without knowing for a fact that Adam's coming right behind you for the boom shakalaka, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that's actually perfect. Um, now, in the future, you guys might have a gap in oh, between right. you, and then sure, it'll be sure. a completely different style of story. Mm-hmm. But for this first one, like, this is just magical. And And me, having heard all of this, yeah, it's fucking magical. Adam, <laughs> knowing what happens next, uh, how are you feeling about the story thus far? Well, you know, I it's it's interesting hearing where it started because there's like these little the little details that I was trying to pick up from Josh's story. I tried to bring as many of them over, you know, uh, onto uh, Melissa's and uh, I'm I'm sorry, I forgot your partner's name. Oh, but oh, uh, yeah, I tried to get, uh, pass on as many to them as I possibly could, but <laughs> there's some I missed. Like I had no idea there was something in the wall and that was one of the prompts. Right. And I totally dropped that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that like once. <laughs> um, but Josh left it at this point where he said this other. And when he said that, like immediately my brain's thinking HP Lovecraft. And so <laughs> 
So it just I thought that you would think that. chupacabra actually. Yeah. I tried I to actually, like Yeah. I tried to tone it down honestly from where my brain started like at, at the beginning <laughs> it was just going to be like like I mean, I had to cut cowboys the and monsters, out. but yeah, exactly. But um, but you'll see, I guess, in the second where it goes. But <laughs> so so before I go too much further into this, before we go to your segment, Adam, I have one mm -hmm. more question for you, Josh, because I'm from California, so I know what the fuck you said. Mm -hmm. The statements you said in Spanish yeah. for the people who are in, oh, let's say Austria. Yeah, please. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, so he says oro, which is gold, and then uh, the or the other the 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 thing the you know the the other entity says oro, asking if he's got gold basically, um, and then <laughs> then Lucas says chinga tu madre payaso, which is fuck your mother, clown. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then and what then, I did understand. <laughs> and then but i knew adam knew that i knew sure. I, I, like we lived in texas together i i knew i wasn't saying anything that adam didn't know uh and then if it didn't get picked up after it didn't matter um and then uh he says ayudame which has helped me mm -hmm. the other the other says ayudame mm -hmm. so i love that again we started off with three cards blind person something in the walls and lucky underwear and just by no fault of either of your own, in telling your story, the inside the wall thing seems so unimportant to the whole of the story that Adam just chose to leave it out. It's nothing that you did. It's not like you didn't mention or anything. Oh, yeah. It's just mm -hmm. in the span of this wonderful segment that you did, that's the thing that got cut off. And that's how it happens organically. Mm -hmm. That's that's the sure. beautiful part of this show is that there's nothing that you could have done better than what you just did and yet not there's i haven't had a show yet where all three cards make it all the way to the end of the story no. let's just put it like that <laughs> yeah. with no further ado though let's go ahead and get to part three of this story here's adam's segment will you put that god dang thing away before you hurt anybody else jack a woman's voice boomed out from the blank night with the distinct rasp of decades steeped in cigarettes and well whiskey. Lucas spun his shotgun around to the sound of her voice. He took a cautious step forward, feeling the cold dust of the desert between his bare toes. His chest went tight with fear and he inhaled an icy breath. Get the fuck out of... His words were cut short by a blow from the butt of a weapon striking his face from a wholly unexpected angle. When he came to moments later, Lucas was face down in the dirt with warm blood trickling from a cut on his cheek. Every inch of his ropey old body sang its own song of pain. His head rang like a church bell at high noon. Little pricks and cuts burned their way down his left side from falling through a pinion or an ocotillo. His uncovered balls themselves seemed to have found an exposed rock on their own peculiar descent and his stomach seared with the tight, queasy pain of their fall. Predictably, the browning was gone, and the crunch of multiple footsteps told him he was not going to be fighting his way out of this hole. Ah, hell, Jack, the woman's voice began. I'm trying to help you, but you're making my life really, really difficult. You see, that gold you found isn't yours. Lucas could merely groan in reply. And you had to go and shoot poor Martine in the leg. Do you know how hard it is to find a decent housebreaker these days? I suspect he'll make it, but ah, Christ. Gilbert... Will you bring this man some clothes? I'm sick of looking at that sad old ass. Lucas pulled himself up to a sitting position in time for a pile of fabric that landed in his lap. 
As he was donning the t-shirt and khakis, she continued, So you can't see a thing, can you? Huh. Well, I suppose introductions are in order. The name's Cloris, but most of them call me Ma. You already met Martine and Gilbert. Lucas was desperately trying to adjust to his new situation. How did they know it was here? Who are they, really? His mind raced. The many scrapes and cuts burned at the touch of his clothing, and his aching nuts chafed against the rough cotton of his pants. Where were his silk drawers when he needed them most? Lucas wondered. You are? Lucas. And what's a blind old fool doing out here in this wasteland, Lucas? And who in God's name is Janine anyways? Ma asked. Lucas spit out some gravel and rubbed a sore spot on his jaw. She, uh, it's a pair of underpants I've grown especially fond of. Ma bellowed with laughter. Ah, shit. I was convinced you had some hussy hiding in the bushes armed to the teeth. Well, makes sense. No woman in her right mind would be stuck in that dump with the likes of you. Anyways, back to the gold. It should be obvious to you by now that you don't just blindly stumble out into the desert in your underpants and stumble back with a pile of antique gold coin, right? The people, she seemed to hesitate over this word, people, who own it want it back, and they've hired me and my friends here to get it. Now look, I understand the appeal. What are you, some kind of ex-con on social security who tells drunk stories of your youth, hoping someone will buy you a drink for the trouble? Lucas nodded. This gold would set you up for life and then some, huh? But there's a problem, Luke. If you sell it, they'll know. If you try and trade it in at the casino, they'll know. If you melt it down, they'll know. They knew you had it all along, and they only sent me because I'm known to operate with, well, a certain amount of finesse in these situations. Lucas began to ask, Who are? She cut him off. Nope. Can't tell you that. No way, Jose. Honestly, bud, the only, and I mean only, reason you're still breathing right now is because you can't see a goddamn thing. They were there when you stumbled on that cash. They saw you bring it back to the shithole. They've been watching every breath you've taken since then. I don't even think they care much about the gold, but if you had seen them, ooh, your limbs would be scattered from Havasu to Hulapai by now. Speaking of which, she seemed to smile. Where did you hide that gold, Lucas? They'll be here any minute now, and I wouldn't want to keep them waiting if I were you. In the distance, a car could be heard slowly climbing the rocky path toward Lucas's shack. It wouldn't be long now, would it? There's an old locked deep freeze in the lean-to shed, Lucas said. Gilbert, Ma said. The hiss of an engine that had been driving hard for hours was now plainly audible as the car crossed the last few yards of loose dirt and gravel. It stopped, but the engine stayed on. Two or three doors opened. Shit, Ma said under her breath. Come on, let's not be rude. Lucas strained against the cold ground to find his footing. Ma grabbed his right arm and threw her arm around his shoulder to steady him. How long had it been since a woman held me, Lucas chuckled to himself. She led him first to the back porch, then into his ramshackle living quarters. As Lucas limped through his shack, he could hear the car doors closing. From outside, a faint voice that must belong to Gilbert. Senora, senora, venga, venga. Ma left Lucas by the front door and hustled out. As she did, Lucas noticed the peculiar scent of fear mixed with hot brakes. From out front, he could hear a muffled, no, followed by the unmistakable sick snap of breaking bones. Gilbert, no, he could hear Ma cry. 
Lucas was transfixed with dread and started inching his feet away from the open door. As he did, he felt something smooth and soft brush against his left insole. It was the kind of caress foreign to these hard black mountains. It reminded him of long, idle mornings long before he ever set foot inside a prison cell. It felt like the cool embrace of river water on a hot summer's afternoon or the soft touch of a woman's lips. It was Janine, his lucky silk boxer shorts. He had found them. This is usually the part in like a poetry bar or something like that where people start. (laughs) 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 Fucking perfect. Fucking. Okay. 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 I got to ask because of, you know, protocol. What were you thinking when you came up with that segment? Well, so I would, again, I was trying to like keep the ball rolling from Josh's segment. So, so I'm like thinking, okay, every detail that he's throwing in there, I got to try to, to keep them moving. Right. So I got to drop in prison. I got to drop in Oatman, Arizona, because he didn't really tell, say too much about it, but I looked it up and figured out where it was. And I was hoping like the little clues I dropped in kept that going. But then he said this thing about the other. And so I'm like, okay, there's something there. What's there? My first thought is monsters. But then I'm like, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to do monsters. And so then <laughs> I, I like the only movies I watch are from my or with my toddler. So he watches a lot of Studio Ghibli movies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, uh, Castle in the Sky, has Cloris Leachman playing like a air pirate lady. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's a little too violent for him, but whatever. We still watch it sometimes. Anyway, so I had in my head her voice like as this kind of strange character. And so I'm like, let's just, let's just switch gears completely. Like Josh isn't thinking of having some random old lady yelling at this guy. And so I'm going to start with that and then see where it takes me. And the one thing I was nervous about is if like where the gold was hidden was a big part of the first piece. Uh, Thankfully it wasn't really, but uh, so, so uh, I just kind of, I I definitely wanted to be like uh, maybe spooky in a David Lynch kind of way, but without being so explicit as to what was out there. It's kind of nice him being blind, so I didn't really have to, really didn't have to describe that. Just uh, just more the dread, you know. You you know, I actually when I pulled the card blind person, I was like, you know, there's a myriad of different ways this could go having a blind person as a lead character in a story. And I truly do want to applaud y'all for not making him helpless. Like that would have been the easiest trope to take as far as a blind person. Um, And so it starts with Paige. Like Paige decided not to make him somebody who was helpless. And y'all have actually made him kind of like the older version of the guy from the Don't Blink franchise. Like this guy, when I when I picture him, I picture him as a weathered, like strong, reliable, able guy who just happens to sit on his own balls a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was fucking perfect, Adam. Like this mm-hmm. was wonderful. Josh, this is your first time hearing that. What what mm-hmm. are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> well, my first thought is I didn't make it clear enough that he was a prospector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's I think one thing I did. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Did were you doing now time or were you doing like no seventies? Yeah, 18, it was nineteen seventies because that's what Paige had left that in there. That's why I had the weird. I had a bunch of dumb references to Route sixty six, the the sixties TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
that's what all that weird like George Maharis bullshit was. But I figured Adam would pick up on that because Adam would know that Route 66 was a was a show before Dan Cortez was in one. Yeah, um, I mean, I I did. I just didn't even think about it. To, oh no, to no, no, keep no, it no. going after that. Yeah, yeah, no. I I I was just I didn't I didn't really care where you went after that. I just mm-hmm. figured if I left that in there, I was at least carrying it through my section to like mm-hmm. place it in time because I was pretty sure she had said that it was in like the 19 what 1970s right uh, i think what, page did i think page did we will see when we all listen to the final final podcast yeah. coming to y'all today not <laughs> you know like the listeners like you're getting to find this out as we do let us know on twitter um I wouldn't even know anything about the Route 66. I love the lob that you threw up there. I I I I give you ten out of ten on the attempt. Um, oh, I yeah. think the finish was still beautiful. Um, I think that this is absolutely incredible. And Melissa and Robert, how's the story looking? We are now closing out with y'all. So um, we still don't have a monster yet, and y'all do a show basically about haunted stories and haunted tales. So <laughs> I feel like the monster was of your own making. We're going to see. Um, but before we go into that, what do y'all think of the story up to this point? Yeah, it's, it's funny what actually made it through all the way, because um, I listened to the parts that we received, um, but as I didn't write it, I only sort of had glimpses in my head as I was recording. And the only thing that was spinning in my mind is underwear, underwear, underwear. <laughs> Nothing else really made it into my brain. So it's quite interesting to, for me now to hear everything else that's been going on. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting narrative. <laughs> Got any thoughts, Robert? Uh, well, I don't know. I I, I think that that uh, monster with uh, that the sound of of breaking bones so clearly mm. inside the shack was something where I really had to think about it because I don't know. It's it's like if you hear someone's bones breaking through an open door, there has to be quite a bit of force. Mm-hmm. And seeing as as uh, Ma doesn't want to call them people, I don't know. I really, really, really thought there would be more parts of monsters in the in the <laughs> first two parts, more, more, more mentions of monsters. So, but uh, well, <laughs> here we are. I absolutely see the logic because you're right. Like the broken bone aspect does seem like, and in a dark area where you can't see who actually broke the bones, that's usually where the chupacabra, who again, mm-hmm. Josh was alluding to, <laughs> would have came out. So honestly, we do have all the makings of a monster coming out here and murdering yeah. everybody and then just walking off with the... Uh, Lucky underwear, because monsters do that. They have fetishes, too. People don't judge them. But with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to the conclusion of this story. This is Melissa, written by Robert. Tears were streaming down his face. 
Finally, in this godforsaken night, this one thing had gone his way. He could feel his legs buckle and the hands that had held him up disappear as Ma whirled around. Lucas didn't care, neither about her shrieks nor about the unmistakable smell of blood and the sound of splintering bones piercing flesh. Martin, don't! He heard Ma cry out, followed by a muffled curse and the sound of another gunshot. His fingertips, shaking in anticipation, finally touched the silky soft texture he had been looking for all this time. There was hope now. Footsteps echoed around his dirty old shed, rough leather scraping over gravel and dust, faster than anything he had heard before. Please, spare him, the well-worn woman's voice cried out into the night, just a split second before the sound of a man shrieking seemed to fill the whole area as his bones started to snap like a pack of toothpicks. Ma's footsteps had stopped somewhere around his porch. He could smell her fear from here, mixing itself with the stench of cigarettes and cheap whiskey. Why? he heard her ask, stepping back now, quickly coming toward him again. There was no answer, only another pair of feet, rough and leathery, following directly after her. They were coming for him, too. With hasty, panicked moves, he ripped down the uncomfortable car keys, felt the cold chill on his still-chafing balls as his other hand raised Janine in front of his face. The smell of his own sweat filled his nostrils. He needed her. Janine? Without her, he'd be dead. Ma screamed out, the sound of her body hitting his porch, breaking the already rotten boards pierced his ears as he struggled to kick off the car keys completely. Just a few more seconds. That was all he would need. Fingernails scraped over the ground outside, breaking on the splintery planks. She was dragged backwards, wheezing, wailing and sniffling. Lucas could finally feel the pants coming loose, struggled and managed to at last get them off his ankles. Please, don't! He heard Ma hiss before her body broke in a last sickening crunch and something snorted derisively outside his shed. He brought Janine down, felt her heavenly touch along his legs. Couldn't help himself but catch her with his toes, even though every part of his mind screamed at him to hurry up. The footsteps were coming closer as the stench of blood wafted in through the still-opened door, displacing Janine's smell and suddenly filling him with dread. His toes let go of the silken hem. He stretched out his arms, pulled his legs toward his chest, as someone touched him and made him freeze instantly. It was a hand. Well, something that was formed like one, even though he knew in this moment that it wasn't human. As cold as ice, hard like marble. Fingers grabbed his wrist, pressed down ever so softly, but Lucas already felt and heard his joint scraping against the bones in his hand. Give. It was one word, whispered by a voice that sounded like a cheap imitation of human speech. There was no emotion in it, not even greed or hate. It simply repeated this one word. 
forgive. Another pair of those feet were coming toward them, but Lucas already knew that it didn't matter. Whatever being was touching him now could break him in a split second. Janine was on his toes already. Just a bit more. He needed a few moments. Lucas forced his right hand to let go of the pair of boxer shorts and pointed somewhere behind him. They wanted the gold. He'd give it to them. It's back there, in the freezer, inside the lean-to shed, he mumbled, heard the thing snorting, at second hand suddenly touching his still sore jaw, sending waves of coldness and pain through his head. Give, it repeated, this time a tiny bit quicker. You can have the gold. Take it. It's yours. The hand squeezed his jaw a tiny bit, and Lucas wanted to scream from shock and pain. He could feel one of his molars pop, the crunching sound of the breaking tooth shooting right into his brain. Please! Blood squirted across his tongue. Give! The hand still holding his wrist open slightly slid down, cold fingers tracing along his skin as he started to shake. He could feel tears running down his cheeks again. Everything but that, he thought. The cold marble wandered further down, left his hand and something tugged at Janine. Its second hand squeezed again, showing him just how powerless he was. But Lucas didn't budge. Give treasure, the voice repeated, as the thing pulled at his shorts and he could feel the material straining. It would rip, he realized, and immediately his fingers let go. Killing Janine like that? No. Not even hell would have him if he did something like that. He whimpered, not from pain, but from loss. The silky soft material slipped off his toes. Good, the voice whispered, as the hand around his jaw disappeared suddenly. He heard the thing standing up its weight nearly breaking the boards of his living quarters before the footsteps walked away. Bought it. Lucas heard the same voice saying as the other pair of rough, leathery feet started to follow the first to the car. He was shaking, sinking back until he was lying on the floor, grabbing his knees and pushing them toward his chest. She was gone. He wanted to jump up, chase after them, but it would be pointless. Lucas felt new tears, heard them dripping onto the floor as the car started its engine. What should he do? He would never touch her again, feel her, smell her. Tyre slowly turned on the gravel path outside. He spat blood onto the floor, but didn't feel the pain. She was gone. His heart was breaking. Slowly, he started rocking back and forth. All the gold in the world couldn't bring her back. Lucas whimpered as he cried out into the night. I would like to just call to mind death metal, where it just hits a fevered pitch and and the story just builds and builds and the music is just building and building and it's just such a beautiful symphony of chaos. I have never, ever 
if you had given me a thousand guesses as to how that story would have ended, I would have never guessed that. And yet it worked out perfectly. Your voice, Melissa, just like I was saying about Paige and, and Josh and Adam too, I guess, whatever. But your voice <laughs> is built for this. And that was incredible. Robert, though, you wrote the story. What were you thinking? <sighs> Honestly, I don't know. Um, after listening to the third part, uh, what stuck in my head was just that, that last sentence. And it's it's just all about the the, the lucky underwear. And I don't know why, but I, I, I pretty much thought all the other parts had to most uh, had to do or had to be about that 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 underwear because it seemed so important and i think the last sentence really fucked me up because that and well you know a simple guy i hear balls i repeat balls (laughs) (laughs) and now it's a now it's literally a worldwide rule like you hear balls we're talking about the balls (laughs) (laughs) what'd you think of that segment Oh, I loved it. I mean, it was like, it was where I was hoping it would go. Uh, and I, t- I thought about doing something like that uh, right after Josh's, but I was like, no, 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 we're not there yet. We need to like, we need to like build up to, to, you know, bones cracking and blood splattering all over the place, you know? So, uh, so I kind of, um, I mean, I hope I, I left them at the a point where they could, could take it and run with it. I think they did because it, <laughs> it sounded great to me. It was awesome. Yeah. Josh, what were your thoughts? Oh yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm glad that the that that the weird thing that Adam didn't take over ended up and ended up in the fourth part anyway. Yeah, you know, like it actually ended up the 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 whole otherness, or not that Adam didn't pick it up, but he didn't like like suit really really capitalize on it. it ended up yeah. still like working its way back in. Yeah, I didn't want to force them to have to sure. have like eldritch right. horrors breaking sure, sure, people sure. apart. But yeah. I'm glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just sitting there waiting for the baton. This is like the mm-hmm. best four by four track team ever. And you have the Haunted Tales podcast at the end. Give them the Eldritch. <laughs> <laughs> you can give us any monster, anything. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I want to thank each of you and Paige for creating this wonderful, wonderful story that is literally nowhere near Christmassy and yet (laughs) will be coming out (laughs) during December. This would have actually fit better in my Halloween series of stories, but that's just the way the stories turn out. And they are always, always, like I said, I I have yet to have a bad story come from these stories, from these, uh, from this series. Um, Rob, or yeah, Robert and Melissa, please tell them, tell the listeners something about yourself. Tell them where they can find your show at. The floor is yours. Well, we're the ha- we're the Haunted Tales podcast. So uh, we're a weekly podcast. We just tell horror short stories, and it's Robert writing them. He's a full time writer, and it's me narrating them usually. And you can find us pretty much everywhere where you can find podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, wherever you get them. Okay. 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. Robert, if you ever need the dark foreboding voice to do a story for you, like to narrate the story, I would be honored. Uh, <laughs> one of the things oh. I do on Ratchet Book Club is I read stories. So if you ever have one where Melissa's voice isn't dark enough or deep enough for you, oh. just let me know. It will be an absolute honor and a pleasure to get the opportunity to work. We'd with love you. to. We'd absolutely love that. Really. I'd I, love to, particularly because if he writes me a story with like six different characters, I can do one mas slightly masculine voice. I can't do two that are distinct. <laughs> See, and I'm like, if I have four whenever I have multiple characters, it's always like women. So I have to do like all these different lady voices and my voice will not allow it. You, you know, we, we, we kind of would have a small part. Uh, how do you feel about being a Krampus? <laughs> Be perfect. I already am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to repeat hidden. one word. Just naughty. That is perfect because that's what I repeat to my nephew all the time. Naughty. <laughs> Naughty. <sighs> Josh and Adam, dun dun. Mm -hmm. Tell them something about yourself. Tell them about your show. I love yeah. you guys. The floor oh. is yours. Well, so our show is Munch My Benson. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think a unique podcast about Law and Order SVU. We take things way farther than uh, than we most people probably want or we should, but we basically take all the tangents that an SVU episode gives us. We have a randomizer that picks the episodes for us, and we do we rank them every week. And uh, I I like to think um, our show is maybe a, a little more problematic in a fun way than than your average law and order svu show yeah i mean we're named a munch by benson yeah <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode one of your best in my in my opinion uh with a guy who i believe if i if i recall correctly kidnapped a girl sexually assaulted her um you're gonna need to be more specific uh, yeah, a lot more. Sense. <laughs> My bad. My bad, ladies and gentlemen. We've only done that. We've only done one of those like eighteen times. <laughs> see, see how vague I was in that, and how I tossed up the alley oop. But where can they find your shows at? Are you uh, show at? We're on all the podcasts. Yeah, stuff. We we have web like any social media or the internet. If you look up Munch My Benson, we're the only results. So Twitter, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, our website, our Gmail address. It's always Munch My Benson. So, and yeah. last but not least, we have Paige, uh, who is the host of the Reverie True Crime Podcast. Um, and she narrates stories of horrific crimes and eerie events, uh, including conversations with survivors and victims' loved ones. Um, and you can find her at reverietruecrime.wixsite.com backslash podcast or on any of the podcast uh, feeders in the world, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Um I do want to thank each of y'all for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. And I do have to tell you once again that you will be back because I have an idea for the fifth year anniversary of uh, Storyteller. So I'll tell you all about that in a little bit. Um, listeners, thank you so much for listening. 
Uh, you can leave a voicemail for the show at 916-633-1537. Uh, you can email the show at storytellerspod at gmail.com. Uh, the show is on Twitter at Story Tailspin, and yes, that is the Disney version, OEO. So it's Story T A L E S P I N. So you can email me at wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club. Um, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or on buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. And you can leave a review for the show on Spotify. Uh, you can also leave a review for the show on Podchaser. Uh, copy and paste that into the Good Pods app and then copy and paste that into the Apple Podcast app. Thank y'all so much for listening. And y'all, thank you so much for joining me. Like, this was wonderful. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks so thanks much. This was us. fun. I've, it was great. I've, I've been wanting to have... Adam and Josh on for the longest time and Melissa and Robert having y'all on was just an, a, a gift, a gift within <laughs> itself and a treat. So oh, thanks. thank you again, listeners for checking us out. Um, I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. storytellers was provided by revolution void and it's called someone else's memories you can find it at the free music archive this is single simulcast